0: all right welcome to now this is podcasting i'm your host connor and my co-host Jaden <laughs> and former guest calvin thanks for having me back and uh you can tell by the joyous music that we're going to talk, uh, talk about a, a, a really joyful movie we're talking about midsummer today yep yeah midsummer yeah this is when we i think mention a ton uh, I, what podcasts. episode doesn't have a, a midsummer? <laughs> I'm and very jazzed up right now, boys. I'm glad the wait is finally over. I think we were waiting for October to get here and like let's let's talk about this really yeah. creepy movie. The the titillation has been building for months. <laughs> yeah, we'll have nothing to talk about after this. I think this is the last episode of the podcast. We, we've done midsummer. Yeah. We've, we've said all <laughs> we're we need. Done. Right? We've said all we need to say about film now. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, that, that's so true.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So, uh, Jaden. Calvin and I all watched this movie together. It's kind of the only one since we've been doing the podcast that so we all kind of sat down and checked it. Besides the stuff we see in theater. Yeah,
1: without pretense for for recording. Like you guys, we watched Black Widow. And he was like, and we saw Florence Pugh, and I was like, Yeah, you absolutely have to watch Midsummer. And we watched the next day, didn't we? Yeah, we watched the next day, and I have quickly be not become uh the person who's not an expert on this film because someone has seen it. 10 times more than i, I have guess,
0: it's like yeah i think i've seen it like 12 or
1: 14 times now
0: yeah so, <laughs> so we, we sat down and watched it and then i think we recorded the next week and and you know we were like talked about oh man midsummer is pretty good we should do a podcast on it and jane's like i've watched it every day this week that's <laughs> crazy and so like which is weird
2: because like when we were sitting here watching it um i was like freaking out kind of the whole time <laughs> yeah watching was like,
1: you, what is happening yeah you were like squirming on the <laughs> yeah, floor like yeah. I, that was actually more fun for me to watch like, <laughs> than the, the, the film, like seated enough.
0: yeah you moved from the couch <laughs> to the floor to like hands on your head but yeah. there was a lot of emotion going through you like, yeah. like
2: i had to show like my roommates this movie which like they get off work at different times so, like i was like we got home we showed show dom and Cody got home. I was like, "Hey, we got." I watched it twice <laughs> that one day, yeah. and then the next day, Cody's girlfriend came over. and was like, "You have to watch this movie." And she's like, "I've seen it." I was like,
0: "I don't care. We're watching it again." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this movie stayed on my watch list on Amazon for like a year because I, I had heard enough about it. And we talked about uh, Hereditary earlier, which this is also directed by Hereditary is directed by Ari Aster. This is directed by Ari Aster as well. And so, like, I knew. I needed to be in the right emotional space to watch this movie. Like, this is not just something you you just don't throw on Midsummer. You don't just throw on Hereditary. And so I knew, I was like, I need to be prepared for this. I need to be like, okay, I'm ready to get hurt. Uh, <laughs> and so it stayed on my list for a long time. And I, that's why I was really glad we did that Black Widow one. And then Calvin's like, okay, Florence Pugh is great. We got to watch it. We were all together and it was fun. We usually don't just sit down and like watch something together. And I'm so glad you guys kind of forced me to watch it because this is a wonderful movie. Yeah, it, it's great. And, mm-hmm. and everyone should check it out. Um... A little bit of the stats on it, uh, like I said, directed by Ari Aster, um, came out in 2019, um, had a budget of $9 million, and it made $47.8 million in the box office. That's not enough.
1: Yeah, it's funny. They actually talked about um, the other people in the industry had heard that uh, generally sophomore films suck because uh, you get a bigger budget and you try and do way too much, and people had heard that, and it's interesting to find out that the budget was actually lower than that of Hereditary. Yeah, it's a million
0: less. Yeah. yeah. Which is wild. And it made... Uh, like a little more than half as much as hereditary did that was like 80 million yeah but i yeah. agree it's it's not enough people saw this it, no
2: absolutely oh, not no. like this is a it's a fucking masterpiece
1: yeah
0: and not enough
1: and not enough people saw it enough times
0: yeah for sure you yeah, need you to didn't, keep watching it you didn't have Jadens, a bunch of Jadens walking around like, <laughs> buying going out of the theater to back to the ticket booth to get another one and yeah. head right back yeah or, exactly you know,
1: like a like a small yeah. child. One more time, Daddy. It's like
2: I remember watching the the uh, watching the preview for this in the theaters, and I think I was with Jonathan, and uh, like he was he was very excited. He was like, "Oh, I can't wait to see that movie." And I was like, "I'm never watching that fucking weird ass movie. <laughs> what is going on on the screen right now?" And
0: now I yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty enthralled with it. I love so. that kind of just your own personal evolution. Yeah, being like this looks like shit, <laughs> <laughs> and then now you're like, I cannot wait to like. I need to I need to get a podcast that way I can talk about this <laughs> yeah, movie. Exactly. I think that's great. I need
1: I need more friends so I can share this movie with everyone. Yes. Right.
0: Uh so uh Jaden, you're the resident expert on Midsummer, <laughs> I think. So what's your first impression of this film?
2: Um first impression was what the fuck did I just watch? Um yeah. and which made me want to watch it much more and find out much more about it. Um this is not I it's a horror movie, I would say that 100 percent mm. Um and it's not like any other one you've ever seen it's so well lit the it's it's beautifully colored like everything around it it's 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 very great um, they do amazing things in this movie, especially with like like as weird as it sounds, like the mushroom tripping and stuff like that, like it's not over the top. Like it's just like, hey, these people are fucked up, and now they're in these weird situations.
0: I think it plays a huge
2: role. Yeah, i think it's a massive role. I just don't think they like it's not overstated. Yeah, they, they, they don't like it. and they don't like overdo like, oh, there's a fucking dragon on the couch or something like that. Like it's yeah, like, these people are like not in their correct mind state, and that's basically what they show there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all and, the visuals are like subdued. Yeah, it's not yeah, like you said, it's, it's very time. much weakening of the characters coming into this atmosphere they've never been in before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there's so like every small detail in this movie just leads to the final end of it. and like every like literally every single like second of this movie is like tied into the end of it. And I love that so much.
1: Yeah, and we have this is a two parter. Because we, for a while, we were thinking about this being a three-parter, <laughs> and uh, then I was like, "That sounds like too much work." <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna try and keep it a two-parter because we have so much subtext to talk about. But yeah, I, I, my first impression of this was. Uh, It was, uh, I love, I love the Scandinavian aesthetic. So that's always something that's very interesting. Like the language, the culture, it's so fascinating to me because it's, we have no exposure to it. And like in school, like we do with Greek and Roman and other European societies. And so it feels familiar, like an American farm, but it's it's also like the uncanny valley like it's just different enough that everything feels grotesquely alien and while everything is happening under the brightness of the sun like there's no darkness to hide anything it's just all right there and the horror is that it's we're out in the open doing all of this but it's a long-winded breakup movie uh it's a subversion of a classic fairy tale with a dark twist uh too short
0: it's two and a half hours long i think it's too short too it's too short yeah there's like, a, and I think you have the director's cut. Uh, there's like 30 minutes of this film that got cut out. I guess originally it was going to have an NC 17 rating. And yeah. so there's there's at least 30 minutes that got cut out it's to make it, it rated R, it already. You know? already. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's some <laughs> grotesque scenes in this. Yeah. Um, some bloody penises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first thought, uh, similar to Jaden, I was like, yeah, hands on my head. Like, what am I watching right now? Yeah. Like, it's so intense. And uh, I, like, second viewing, I think, is where I really like got to soak up a lot of the stuff I like most about Ari Aster and how he composes his shots. There's just just beautiful stuff happening in, in this, like, terrible situation. But just everything I see on screen, like, uh, it's one of the scenes I like the most is when they kind of first enter that, like, the, the village that they're going to in mm-hmm. Sweden. And it's totally, like, that yeah. big archway. It's, like, kind of the sunburst thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you see people walking in through it. Just It's just an example of how good this guy is at composing shots. And... Um, Again, I think the second time through is when I, I got to soak up things like that and soak up a lot of the score and kind of the diegetic and non-diegetic aspects of it. I think all of that works out really well. Uh, I will say leading up to reviewing this, I kept watching it more and more. And I think it got less interesting to me because all like the kind of really like, uh, like oh, big shocker moments, I already know they're coming. And so I'm kind of just waiting for the, moment, uh, the movie to get to those scenes when I watched it again and again. So my big recommendation, I think, for this is watch it one time, be freaked the fuck out. Watch it a second time, really soak it in, and then maybe put it on the shelf for a while. Uh, it's a, a completely opposite dogma than what Jade had. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch this movie 1,000 times. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so for, for, yeah, for me, this movie, I think, hits home a lot more if you... It'd definitely take a breath in between watching it. Uh, I, I, I can't handle this. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to, like I said, put this one on the shelf for a while because I watched a lot leading up to this. and I, was Wait, like, I think man. I'm going
2: to go home and watch this. <laughs> I think, I'm pretty sure. I've, I've been
0: waiting to watch the director's
1: cut for like months now. I bought it forever ago when I saw it. And I didn't want that to affect, because we we're going to do the theatrical release. And, and I didn't want to bring in uh, a lot of other interpretations that would be present in the director's cut. Because there's a lot of, you know, what is a work? Um, is it uh, like Blade Runner, where you have the final cut and all of these other things? And they change elements. Um, I just want to talk about the general consensus piece that everyone is aware of. Yeah, The, yeah, right. the, theatrical, the theatrical cut. Yeah. I'm interested in director's cuts because those are always fun. But I've seen a little bit of it already. And the two scenes that like that
0: go on longer that they added, and I was like, "Yeah, I actually would have cut those." So, <laughs> I feel so, like one day I'm gonna when I like come down to the little studio where we record, and I'm gonna catch you guys doing your own like private midsummer podcast yeah, We yeah. just talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We're on episode 487 yeah. of the Midsummer Thought Podcast. <laughs>
1: All right, everybody, we're at we're at uh, minute one hour. 32 and 23 seconds yeah. like, <laughs> discuss what's going on at this moment. So this is how many
2: strands of hair Danny on her head on her head in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> this is, and you
1: can see the continuity
0: carried over from the last 10 seconds we
1: watched last week.
0: So I, like I mentioned, I think Ari Aster does a great job of composing all of his shots. Um, so I, I want to move into like the look of this film. Yeah, the
1: cinematography here is is wonderful. Um, I I normally don't when we review a lot of these things. I don't get hung up a ton on cinematography because I like I like to um, mix between uh, the camera work, the subtext, characters, all of that. But man, I just want to gush about the different types of shot selections that he uses here because he represents he, he uses them in several different places like you have these top-down shots there's several of them i counted about 11 or 12 unique ones um that are not and that type of shot is not present in uh hereditary you can maybe think of it as equivalent to the dioramas the uh uh, the flatness of the uh dollhouse aesthetic um but then you have uh, a lot again another thing he likes to do uh including mirrors in his shots you've got this upside down car twisting shot which is amazing that one's great and then like yeah. this extreme depth of field. But why don't we start with with that, that twisting car shot? Because I think like Denis in uh Arrival and Sicario, this shot doesn't have any subject matter in it, but the feeling that you get from the uh from how the camera moves creates it it encapsulates everything that's with this this film. It's it's uneasy. We're going somewhere on a journey type thing. So I wonder like what This is a very unusual shot, because you have the car coming towards the camera, and as it passes beneath the camera, then the camera flips upside down, and then we are from the car's perspective, and we're looking out at the skyline and the trees, and we're we, we just move through the trees and, and as if we're gliding on the sky upside down it's it's visually interesting, it's fun it's unsettling because the music is also messing with our minds a little bit and then as we get to uh, the arch that says uh, Hissingland, then we flip and twist and then we're right back where we were it feels like to me that we've gone like through a portal or like uh, some some uh, aesthetic things so you could think of as like this is like uh, Alice in one underland uh and this is the the point of no return i wonder like how does that
0: shot feel to you i do think it it sets up by having an odd changing perspective in the camera it sets you up to feel like okay we're going somewhere that is not comfortable for these characters it's new to them it's new to you as the audience and it's supposed to it's i think it's supposed to put you in that mindset like okay this is a a new area that i am unfamiliar with and so i i do like how the camera is playing around a lot with its its perspective and yeah i think that's the whole point of it is to to put you in the kind of that unsettled mood
2: yeah i agree um because it, it is it's unsettling i think i mentioned it the first time we watched it and i was like why why are we upside down yeah, what is happening right now <laughs> and yeah it is it's just like i think it does it's it like that point right there boom they've crossed the line they're going to a place where they may not return from or they don't know what's going to happen now
1: yeah so that shot i think is one of those individual shots he doesn't return to. Um, because it
0: it says so much on its own. I feel like you would make a gimmicky film if you continued. To I was yeah, literally can, about yeah. to say that if you have yeah. a bunch of stuff where it's like we're upside down and we're spinning around, then it's like that. I was gimmicky was exactly what I was gonna say.
2: No, it works because it's done just once. Yeah, you, know,
0: you don't want to put too much sugar your ice cream yeah, yeah i think if, if he does it a bunch of times he it's like oh look at me a fancy filmmaker i can do weird <laughs> shots and it's like no one is plenty and it speaks for itself you don't need more of it i agree yeah but the one thing that he does continue retur- return to in terms of perspective are
1: these top-down shots i mean they're everywhere the firefighters on the stairs at the beginning uh
0: danny walking into the bathroom um, that's that's genuinely one of my favorite shots of the whole movie yeah me
2: too and then she's in the uh, and then she's in the airplane
0: yeah, I, and I, I think I talked to Calvin before we recorded. Uh, I love kind of just that jump in the timeline where yep. it's like she she goes, she closed the door, and then it jumps to her in like the lavatory of the plane. Mm-hmm. There's no like uh, like anxiety scene where she's like going through customs and getting on the plane. It's, it's, it's like skip all the boring stuff. Like let's just move the movie along. I think it's paced out really well that way, and I love that you can just use kind of a trick of the camera to you're, you're at one point in time, and now you've skipped ahead. You're in Sweden now, and it all makes sense, and it works so well for the film and it's just nice that you can just do that with a shot you don't have to have any explanation or dialogue kind of going through that yep. i like how it pushes the story forward a ton that's why it's one of my favorite scenes in i the think movie.
2: i i'm a big fan of that part too i think it's great
0: yeah because we also stay
1: not only do we move ahead in time we also stay in the same mindset she's still grieving yeah and i think that's it's it says it's it's light it's quick it's a single jump cut and we it says everything you need to know that we've changed place and we've
0: changed time but we have not healed from this event at all. So I moved from that scene, which is one of my favorites in the whole, whole movie, to probably my least favorite shot in the whole movie. It's one of the only gripes I have as far as the cinematography. It, it cuts to then like a... It, I think it's the idea of you're looking out the plane window. You just see like the clouds and the sky, and then the screen just starts like shaking, but it's like artificially done. It's like something done in post. And the score builds at that point, and I guess it's fine if you are if you're just kind of a general audience and you want to see something kind of weird happen, I saw that scene. I was like, why is this in here? Like you just had a really cool scene with Florence Pugh emoting and you just got this cool cut between, you know, being in the apartment and moving to the airplane. Why is this weird scene there of the, the, the sky shaking? I thought it doesn't fit at all. That's my one gripe as far as the look of this film. Yeah. I, I think of it
1: as akin to the, the near miss accident. That is a trope in so many like camping horror movies. Um, Oh no, something we almost got uh, hurt, we were almost in an accident. Like I would have cut that. I don't
0: think it I don't think it, it works well. Yeah, I think moving right from that to them in the car to again like a like we just talked about another visually interesting scene. Just keep the good stuff in. Like that that's just again, that's like my one gripe uh, as far as like the cinematography and what we're seeing. I I just don't understand that scene at all. Yeah, but speaking more to the top down shots, we also have uh, uh
1: the path Walking into the commune, uh, we have the table um, right before Et Stupon, uh, where we're looking down at the Othala symbol, um, that weird like diamond with legs. Um, we have the uh, jumping off the cliff. We have the maypole dance. We just keep coming back to uh, all of these shots, and I, I, I wonder what what is your experience when you see these? Are there are they noticeable enough? Do you feel like he's trying to say something with these? Um, hmm. I don't know if he's trying to say anything with
2: it. I think he's just trying to make something look great, which I think is working.
1: So, and when, when, I, when I say that then, then, why is it something that's not in Hereditary that it's very prevalent here? So, why why use it as a convention?
2: Um, Maybe he wanted his film to be different. Maybe he doesn't want to be the type of director where like, hey, every film is the same blueprint.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of... Because uh, I think of hereditary compared to this one hereditary takes place indoors a lot and i i know that he that the house is set up in a soundstage to like get the right shots because you couldn't capture that in an actual house like positioning the camera correctly mm-hmm. but so much of this film is outside and i love that he's able to he's able to compose things in two entirely different settings like the look of hereditary is is I- at least uh in setting is totally different than midsummer and i think he still does a great job in both like i, I love the shots in i, I Do you guys remember when the, I think it was maybe the second to last episode of Game of Thrones came out and like Daenerys is like standing up, she's taking over King's Landing, and the wings of the dragon open up behind her? You guys remember that scene? Goosebumps. It came up everywhere. It was like, this, they have to teach this in film school. Like, this is what, this is cinema, this is peak cinema. I was like, that is like so on the nose and it's dumb. Like, like, it's so obvious that like I hate it. And I, I think of the way this movie is put together and it's so subtle in all of its shots and and but it's so intriguing at the same time like you talked about the top-down shot of, of the table set up is uh it, it forms a rune that's like one of my i think it's a beautiful shot mm-hmm. there's a shot later on of the kind of the temple the house that is going to be uh, set on fire later mm-hmm. and it's just that big yellow triangle that's a great shot mm-hmm. like those are the kinds of things like make something that's visually interesting just in and of itself like there's not a ton going on around it it's just like you're just moving through this, this area. And it's like, Oh, what you're seeing on screen is just interesting by itself. Like, that's the kind of stuff that if you go to film school, I would like to see things like that, not dragon wings open up. Like when I think of something that's like visually interesting, I think of something like Midsummer or hereditary. I do not think of Daenerys Targaryen. (laughs) (laughs) Like
1: I do. So I was not on board with game of Thrones for like the last two seasons. I could see that this, it was quickly falling off the, off the rails. Um, but there are, there's a somatic re- response that I have to things like that, and som- somatic be- being, like, bodily uh, reactions. Like, apparently... Like you wanted to retch? No, like, <laughs> like yeah, I mean... <laughs> I had to choke it down, because um, we were in company. But, um, like, the idea of... Pe- or the, the somatic response of people who get goosebumps from music, apparently that's, like, a genetic thing. Like, half of the population gets that, and the other half doesn't. So, like... I am frustrated when I see that because my body is like, Oh, literal goosebumps. And I'm like, stop that. Stop that. We're not impressed by that. Cause that's both. <laughs> it's so like, yeah. Yeah. But
0: no, I'm not like criticizing game of Thrones. I don't really want to get on that topic. Yeah. I just, but I just want
1: to say like those, those shots work for those reasons because the body is telling us things that, um, are melodramatic and they're, they're visually interesting because our, our, our body finds it that way not necessarily because the medium itself uh finds it uh a visually interesting thing and so that's really the difference here is this interplay of uh of human experience uh and art form experience
0: yeah i think something like that in game of thrones is obvious in what it's intending and i think this movie is so much more subtle in all of its shots and it's like if you just pay attention you're gonna see something amazing yeah you're gonna see something that you don't see in many films like you're gonna You can like really be involved in this film because this is really similar to Hereditary where just every scene just takes its time and uh that's why that's why i just i love ari aster this guy can make a movie yeah
1: and so what i would say about these top-down shots is i do think that they are um rather than going with the uh dioramas and the dollhouse uh things that he has in hereditary what he's decided to do is uh go with a different perspective with how he uh has his exposition in terms of these other art forms so you have the murals um, you have uh, the tapestries. Um, you have paintings in uh, Danny's uh, apartment. And so I think that these are kind of meant to reflect those, uh, like the uh, flatness of, of paintings. Um, the other thing I can th- kind of think of is if you wanted to dive into something that's maybe not warranted, is that everything is from the perspective of the sun, because that's what, they, what they're worshipping, is the sun. Um, and that's where, where all the life is coming th- from. That's why everything is so bright. So it's this perspective of uh, like this dark force, again, looking down on uh, people in their little fabricated lives. I think that's reading a little bit too much into it because I think a lot of these top-down shots are just visually interesting with um, how he wants to create flatness in respect uh, with respect to again his extreme use of depth of field where we have these shallow shots where a lot of parts are out of focus because we're looking at a specific character's. Uh, oh, like the, reaction.
2: With the uh, Danny after the suicide scene. Yeah, yeah. She's
1: just like the ed- the edges of that frame are fuzzy. The the that the part's sound great. is like yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Um but an- another great one in terms of the, the the depth of field is uh when they first walk into the children's house and we keep uh oh, we're focusing on Danny as she's walking up and observing all of the murals and then we rack back to uh, Christian um And Pele Pele is explaining to Christian like how life is divided up into four seasons and then rack back to Danny when she asked the question like what happens with 72? Well, actually it cuts right there but we keep going. uh, The focus keeps changing as we change um, uh, who's speaking in that scene. Yeah. Which is it's interesting to do that like a lot of people a lot of scenes do do that but there are a lot of films that just want to take you step back keep everything in focus and then we're just not going to mess around with uh focal length at all
0: and i think that's a interesting way to kind of cut between characters without having the camera literally like cut between them you know like switching your Mm. point of view all the time it's a it's a nice like device to use to you know show who who are we supposed to be paying attention to in this in this scene right now I, I think it's a it's an interesting way to doing that and I prefer it over like you know uh, one camera's on Florence Pew and the other is you know on on these other characters talking i I prefer the way it's done in this much more than kind of a two camera setup for sure
1: yeah and the the most extreme example is actually the it's the lunch scene where Mark is taken away, and we have the the camera um, just trucking in front of the table of all of them, and it keeps passing in front and focusing on on different uh, uh, different uh, each different character, but as it gets towards the edges of our main characters, we start to uh, see everyone else is out of focus, but sometimes we'll we'll rack back to like someone like Maya um, and she's in focus for a moment, and we just keep moving uh, these pieces around as everyone is talking it's just a lot of fun camera work that's it, it adds uh, a lot of interplay uh, with you as a viewer just kind of getting around the table and moving through a space rather than something that's static and cutting back and forth between things with a little bit of shaky cam because everybody wants to add a little bit of shaky <laughs> right. cam like, in those senses.
0: I think uh, another scene that I think is dynamic and it's, it's it's mostly one long take. I think there's maybe one or two cuts in it. I like the part where Christian and Josh are talking. Uh, it's Jack Rayner and William Jackson Harper. Um it's when they uh, Christian says he's going to do his thesis on like the same thing. And I just like that scene a lot. Uh, There's like blocking that these characters have. They move around and you end up seeing like the back of Christian and then the camera moves around to put them both in focus again. And it it just captures both of them in the frame as they're going through this dialogue. And and again, it's not cutting back and forth. It's not, you know, focusing on one character at one time and one time, uh, another character at a different time based on who's speaking. It's just nice to see these two characters kind of this kind of anger growing between them. And you see them both like kind of building up as that scene carries on. And I like that it's not just them standing still, talking to each other, the camera's moving, they're moving. And it's like kind of this pacing kind of anxiousness that Christian has and the camera's following him around. That's like a, another kind of dynamic bit of filmmaking that I really like in this. Yeah.
1: yeah and then one, the last thing that I want to talk about in terms of composition is not necessarily uh, his camera angles or anything, but it's how he loves again, like in Hereditary uh to use mirrors to create uh, interesting compositions so we have several types of mirrors we have uh danny getting her pill out of the cabinet um when she's calling christian get, when they get back from the party um when uh the, the two that i definitely want to talk about are um in the apartments are still in america but there are a couple in when they're in sweden as well um where she's in the bathroom on shrooms uh, when Josh is taking photos of the Ruby daughter and the may queen table is like actually like um, after she's may queen and they all sit down for the feast. The whole thing is like a mirror as well. But the two that I want to talk about is like when they first get back from the party where she finds out that they're going to Sweden. Yeah. I mean that shot is like I could I could write a whole paper on that shot because it's amazing. Like what did you think like when you first saw that
2: that's I mean it's freaking wonderful dude. Like it's, it's stunning to me. Um, it's easy to focus on as a viewer, mm. um, and it's it's taking like, like how you talk all the time about how like uh dialogue between characters. Um, you don't want them switching back and forth from camera to camera. You want them both in the same set, yeah. So you can see them like communicating with each other and their body language and stuff. And this is doing that, in just such an like, like abstract way. Yeah, like and it's I'm, unconventional, yeah. but it totally works. Yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it. I thought yeah. it worked great in the scene.
0: It's gonna be a tough time to hear me say anything bad about any of the shots in this. Yeah, I, I had my one gripe, and that's probably all you're gonna hear from me the rest of the time.
1: Right, and it's especially cool because of the the paintings and prints behind both of them. So when um, Danny walks in, she turns to the left to uh, face the right side of the screen, and if you look at the, there's a small print on the doorway of a woman turned to her left looking back at the dark windows of a building and she's mirrored in uh, in posture in that and i find it so interesting because it's like another layer of of almost what she's thinking right there and then behind christian in the uh painting you have this weird like naked type um symbolic person that looks like it's very much uh looks like someone in missionary style sex position which would be foreshadowing later in the in the film as well so you have all of these elements with this mirror happening and i just it's so much fun how you can say so much uh about the uh other symbolic subtext here while still giving an engaging conversation without cutting anything the camera doesn't even
0: move yeah that's what i'm talking about it's like these everything is just so interesting in and of itself like it doesn't need a ton of explanation you could just kind of take your time and pay attention to what you're watching too. And you can get a lot out of this movie. Um, I think I, I want to move on to uh, my most favorite mirror scene is, uh, when Danny has now been invited to Sweden and, and Christian's in the apartment with his with the other, the other characters. And he's like, she's, I invited her, but she's not really going. And, uh, Danny comes in and you see Christian and Danny, uh, in a mirror that's on the back wall. And then in the, like the foreground, you have, uh, Josh and, um, Mark and Pele, and Pele all sitting on the couch, in the other she's like, "It's so it's such an awkward scene." She's like, "Yeah, I guess I'm going," and you can yeah. tell like they're all so like they none of them want to have anything to do with it. Well, Pele definitely. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. Mark, Mark is a douche. Yeah, Mark is. <laughs> he's the worst. Man. Yeah, when we get into characters, I have a I have a bit to say about these guys, but uh, but I I just I like the composition again. I just think he's so good at just making something interesting because you could have just have a scene where they're just all in the room, like they all go sit down and then they just start talking and that's much more boring than yeah. this. It's just an interesting use of mirrors. And I also just I think, think it helps with the awkwardness yeah. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it kind of it, like that separation of them mm-hmm. too. And it's like,
1: yeah, that almost unreality because uh, Christian is the one that starts there and he's like telling them like, it's like an image above them telling them like, this is what's happening right now. Right. Just so you know, I'm a bit, I'm an asshole and you're just going to get over it. I love how it's, Black. it feels black like a like an inky space that they're existing in and it's dirty and then when you have uh danny walk in and like her head is just barely above the bottom of the frame and i think that's just so cool too is like barely like um uh, coming out of this dark space like she's just barely in um allowed in here even because it almost again it feels like like a portal like uh this isn't um this is the beginning of the journey of where we go down the rabbit hole
0: right right exactly I just think it's visually
1: interesting Mm -hmm. yeah and you could just leave it at that because that's it's so much fun just that
0: yeah again I think I'd said it in hereditary our our podcast on that just keep making movies Ari Aster yeah I'll I'll watch whatever you like even if it's subject matter I don't care about I just want to just make things for me to look at I I just I love what he does all right uh do we want to move on to the score I think there's a lot of super interesting stuff going on at this um so I like how this score works a lot with diegetic and non diegetic sound. Uh, there's parts where it seems like it's non diegetic, like it's just something that is uh in the score, like it's it's not literally happening. And then the camera will turn and you'll see like people playing flutes and stuff. Yeah. You find out at that moment, oh, it is diegetic sound. Like this is something that is the characters are experiencing along with the audience. Yeah. It's not just uh sound for like for the viewer. And I love how the the score plays with that a lot. I think there's, you know, there's Parts with like drums beating and, you know, there, there's a lot of great musical elements that I think at first you think it's just happening just for you as the viewer. And then the, the, the camera does a great job of like expanding and showing what all is going on. And, and you capture a lot more and then you find out like, oh, even the sound is like this is yeah. a part of this is a part of what's going on. And it, it adds to like the atmosphere so of like, the whole film.
2: One big thing on that is like it's almost the reverse almost the reverse that is when Danny is crying after she finds out her parents and sister are dead. Mm-hmm. And it almost becomes part of the score. I started crying. Oh, yeah. Which I think is very interesting. I was like, this part is creepy, and I love everything about this right now. Like, this is, it's scaring me a little bit. It's making me very uncomfortable. And it's doing everything it needs to do to get me into the environment of this scene.
0: There's a lot of good mixing of sound design and score, like yes. just to like stuff that's happening to the character mm-hmm. and stuff that is is for the viewer. It's it's a great mix of the two. I think. Yeah, and it's done it's done well throughout the whole movie.
1: Yeah, and when you actually listen to the soundtrack, her crying is a part of yeah it is, is, is. A part is it of the really? track. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I, I like, love that. I was listening to it at work, and I was like, what the
0: hell?
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> you guys was, listen to like, weird stuff at the song, work. Is, The track is called like Smokescreen or something like that too. It's like some weird thing. Yeah, Yeah. You, guys you are wild. What no, do not what, what, what else
0: would we listen to? <laughs> I do not listen to the score of one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen. <laughs> That's, you guys are wild.
1: I don't think Midsummer is depressing. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of interpretations there about whether it's enjoyable, whether it's happy, whether it's cathartic, and whether it's depressing.
0: Oh, the ending is happy. I don't don't know about (laughs) that. I I I have a different take on that. Um, Is there any other elements of the of the score that we like here? I love how it feels like a
1: Disney princess movie in some parts. Like if anybody listened to had seen this movie and then listening to the music that we used at the beginning of it, we were looking for that feeling of uh, it's not really a a horror movie in terms of a lot of the the music, especially in the melodies. It it's more like a folktale, like you would think of in, in a Disney movie.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's like that's like this is like a, a deceiving horror movie to me, because like we mentioned earlier, it all takes place during the day and a lot of the music seems kind of joyful, folky music. Yep. And and it it really kind of lulls you into thinking, like, oh, maybe this is all right. But then it has these like really scary undertones in it, and the the score is like it's helping you maybe feel good, and then you get completely undercut by this film. Yeah. Like, and yeah. you get the feet taken out of you. It's like it's, that's it's very con- yeah, you that's get foreshadowing yeah. yeah you're <laughs> get
1: Charlie f- Brown for sure
0: yeah, yeah. But, uh, and I love too like just the way it's
1: it's reflected in how uh, the cult acts you know the got, um are very friendly and uh, someone mentions uh, oh I like your dress you're like oh yeah it's very girly isn't it
0: yeah <laughs> yeah there's, there's just a lot of they're very nice people yeah. it feels like there's a lot of stuff working together to set up kind of your the, the overall tone and like then to have that uh kind of be subverted later on it it, it, all the it's the score the visuals it's it's everything working together and and i think all the all the films i've liked the most is when i i feel like those things are working together and it's not like the score is just a backdrop to kind of because you need to have sound at some point or you're just seeing something like uh obvious visually to like get a point across everything is is like working in concert really well in this film all right so if we're moving on from the score i want to dive into these characters uh i think i have maybe a more negative opinion on these characters than you guys do. I think they're... No, I don't think so. I yeah. I, I think that there is a really shallow nature to everyone except for Danny. I, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. think so, they're all okay. bad
2: people besides Danny. So.
0: And they're also one-dimensional. one, one dimensional. There's not a lot of nuance to yeah. anybody. Yeah, I think uh, just my first thought is like everyone starts the movie and ends the movie in the same place. There's one character. And I understand this film is from Danny's perspective, and so it, it obviously makes sense that she should have... At least the most profound growth, but none of the other characters do anything. Yeah, like like Christian. I, I I just to start with him, he starts out as a crappy boyfriend looking for any excuse to get out of that relationship, and the first opportunity he he gets to 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 sleep with that uh the the girl oh, yeah. from the village from the village, like he does it like, yeah. and then that later on leads to like his death he starts and ends in the exact same place i actually would say he gets worse i'd say he gets worse too i think that actually all of them get worse besides pele and danny Mm -hmm. christian starts out as a crappy dude he ends as a crappy dude who kind of gets his comeuppance i guess so there's some uh you can get some satisfaction out of that i guess it just there's no change in this character at all and i think this this movie missed out on an opportunity to be like give you some other characters to even like gravitate towards and find interesting none of the other characters are interesting do you guys have any thoughts on christian i disagree with you saying that they
2: missed any kind of mark on what they're doing with these characters i think they did exactly what they needed to with these characters for this film and for danny because the film is for danny it's not for christian christian is literally just an antagonist of this movie and he's meant to be a piece of shit he's meant to be a bad boyfriend and like like his relationship with Danny is like one of the reasons like Danny is my favorite character I've seen in any movie I've ever watched.
1: I think so. Same. Um,
2: she is like, I relate to her often, uh, like actually in like almost everything that she does as far as like mental illness and like her relationship with Christian. Mm. Uh, the fact like when they're arguing in her apartment, when it is the mirror scene and she's like, no, 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 don't go, don't go, don't go. Yeah, After I'm so- she I'm brings sorry. up the problem that she is upset and I have done that
0: that's multiple so anxiety times. inducing cuz she's yeah. also she's like it's my fault it's my yeah, fault yeah i've like, done that
2: because like i feel like i'm such a broken person if i finally get a relationship i can't let that go despite how badly i'm being treated and i it, it, i it, feel it, that coming yeah. from her in that scene and it's so like that, like that's why I think Christian needs to be the way that he is because if he's not that way, then like her character doesn't make as much sense. And her character is the point of the story.
1: Yeah. And there's a, yeah. there's a certain way that this character needs to be written to avoid the tropes of uh broken girl with family issues. Like needy, needy characters are not treated sympathetically by audiences and like until you've justified their trauma to almost an extreme extent you know it's one thing like we like we understand anger real quick like oh you've righteous anger that's fine i understand that but people that are like sad you know, we don't we don't really uh we don't as audiences empathize enough because there's so much shame uh involved with with sadness um and just in general and i think it's so interesting to watch her um always clutch at her throat when she's sad when she's grieving like because that's i re- i relate to that so much too because like that's how i am um uh when i'm sad like i've just it's this like i these are things that can't be said um because it just makes you it makes your life more more difficult like i can't share this with christian because i'm going to lose him so i just need to choke this down
0: yeah i, I agree with you guys that it, it, maybe he's fine as a character just being a crappy guy and then he ends as a crappy guy the other characters, I don't agree with that. Like, uh, Josh is another one. He is driven by his thesis. That's what he cares about going into this trip to Sweden, and it's what ultimately gets him killed. Uh, like, uh, why can't we work in something more dynamic with that character? I, I just think, I think he's super boring. He starts and ends the exact same way.
2: My, it's like I said, my whole thing is, like, with that is it's all based off of Danny and like, he's just supposed to be another pawn in the story for her. Yeah. How and we like, get to Hessingland. <clears throat> spending too much time or too much development on the character that really doesn't matter. I think is a waste
1: of the movie. I, I do wish like, like, I don't, I don't think that we need to, make them interesting i just don't think they need as much screen time as they have
2: yeah that's fine with me too take them out yeah
1: because like that's how we got there that's plausible that makes sense the entire conversation between him uh, between christian and josh about the thesis and who's stealing that's unnecessary because we don't again this whole film is about danny we don't care about christian we get enough that he's yeah you're an ass i don't care about i want you to burn like that's the.
2: and then that scene is just them kind of kicking the dead horse of like hey, Josh times, yeah. is selfish and Christian is a leech. And like, mm-hmm. That's the way that their relationship and their, like who their personalities are and how their dynamics work. And it's just kind of more hammering
1: that in. But. Yeah, and that's why they're, it always made, it like you kind of don't, like Josh feels like a level-headed plot device. Like I don't get a lot of selfishness to it, but it makes sense when you think about like, these are the people that will put up with me. Yeah. Uh, and because when you look at them, they're all not not great. Like how are they all friends? They don't really seem to like each other yeah you know none of them like no mark doesn't like anybody nobody should like mark yeah absolutely yeah
0: yeah speaking of if you want to give a character less screen time mark is the one and i get we can always go with more eyebrows dude yeah (laughs) uh that's will poulter uh he was in what is that rv movie with oh we are the millers was that jason sudeikis in that yeah Yeah. he's also in (laughs) vander snatch
2: jason sudeikis i love
0: god he's so funny (laughs) Uh, I take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: I told one girl that uh, we were watching some movies. I was like, "My buddy Connor kind of looks like him." She's like, "What?" She's like, "I'll jump his bones." (laughs) Oh, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, yeah. I think uh, Mark is like just this classic horror movie character. He's just the he's the annoying guy that the audience cannot wait for him to be killed. But I agree with what you guys say. I I I hate every character in this except for Danny. You hate Pele? Okay, I guess he's the one. He's the one I kind of put off well because i kind of think he's uh i think he's the worst person yeah uh, yeah but i I don't know about
2: i think out of the other out of of the four main male characters he's the most important and the most interesting
0: i agree with that i also think that he's just it's also kind of another kind of trope you see in horror movies it's like the the unsuspecting you know unassuming good guy who ends up turning on you oh that's not how i viewed it i don't feel him as that either yeah i view him as
2: a new age viking yeah
0: wow no i absolutely think he's he's lured them there for his own nefarious purpose. That's what I, that's what I think. And I think he
2: only really cared about luring one person there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's very interesting. Actually, we'll go back and look at some of his dialogue. Um, it's really fun. Yeah.
2: I think, I, th- I think that Josh explains his the whole purpose in the movie in the car ride.
1: Yeah. yeah. Right. I think if there were things that I would cut, I would definitely cut uh, Mark peeing on the tree. Um, Cause we don't, we, Cause the the thing I have the problem the most with Mark is like you, like you were saying, Jane, it's, he's the character that you want to die. You want him to see die. He's got the most anticlimactic death of anyone in the film. He gets skinned and someone else wears it. It's all it's, yeah, all, it's all, but it's so off screen. Like we hear Connie screaming, uh, Simon is, uh, 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 yeah, he's in a, a blood eagle. Uh, Christian is burned. Josh is beat over the head with his foot uh, sticking out of the ground, and like in the same thing with uh, Ingvar and Ulf they're also burned. And then you have at Stupan, like you have all of these really gruesome deaths. And the only thing that like is ever mentioned, like with Mark, and he asks like, "What are all the kids playing?" It's like, "Oh, skin the fool." I'm like, okay, well they're gonna skin him. Right, but it's. It's nothing happens. The like, we don't see yeah. any of it. The character you want to see die most, you, like, don't even get the satisfaction. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It's like, it's like he's turning conventions on our head and, like, but, like, frustrating is, like, I would rather, you know, I'd rather the one that be be the most anticlimactic, like, be Christian almost. Um, because I think, because for genre expectations.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I think now that I've gotten my biggest gripes out of the way, I can... Talk about stuff I like again. Uh, do we want to dive more into Pele because we kind of brushed over him and kind of the things I like and don't like about him? But I'd like to dive deeper because he's a of of that like crew of guys. He's the most interesting one. I agree with jane had to say yeah. about that.
1: Yeah, I like I like Pele and I also like uh, Ingvar to a, a lesser extent. I think they're uh, aspects of the same type of thing, yeah. same type of person.
2: I mean, you put your note down here. Pele is a sweet person.
1: I think he's a sweet person. I think that he is a god-awful piece of shit the whole entire movie. I think that he is... I think we th- think of him as sweet is because it's all through Danny's eyes, and she just wants to be seen by someone. I see, so I see, I see Pele as a dude who's trying to bang
2: his friend's girlfriend.
1: Yeah, I, I see that too, but like... I and that's it. why he's being sweet. I don't think it. I don't think of it from his perspective. I think of it from Danny's perspective. And when I think of it through Danny's perspective, like, oh wow, this person cares about me. He's uh, giving me a, a birthday present. Actually cares about my birthday. And like for someone in an abusive relationship, like that means it means so much. And I feel like he is a reflection of her attitude towards the uh, horuga in general because. Um, It's how it's like you've kind of uh, shown me what it means to be like accepted and seen and I can look past some of this darker shit if if it means that I can have like real relationships.
2: Oh, yeah. All he had to do was take everything away from her first.
1: Well, she didn't have anything. Because took a, it away from her. I don't think he actually killed the family. Okay, well, I do. I, so. Whoa,
0: that's a theory I haven't heard. Oh, what? yeah. Oh, he yeah know that. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pelly well, kills her. Okay, we can get into that uh, yeah. in our, our part two. Yeah, there's only one suicide scene seen in this entire movie. Oh, wow. No, I, I never heard of that. I'm excited to hear yeah. about that in part two. Um, yeah, yeah I, I agree with Jaden. I think he's, out of all of them, he's probably the worst because he's so... Like two-faced in what he's doing, mm-hmm. he has this like really, it's like he has this really evil kind of plot. I think he wants to carry out, and he's this unassuming, nice guy on the outside. He's manipulative, and, and I think that's like the most horrifying part of it is, I yeah he he he's very likable. None of them are good people, but he's the worst because he comes across as something you should someone that Danny should be able to rely on, someone because he even talks about you know it's like oh does Christian feel like home and he, and he's implying that, held. yeah he's like implying that he could be that to her and. It, the fact that it, it, but it's all like this it's like this really two-faced routine he's putting on and that's what makes him the worst of all of them. i agree with Jane, i think he's absolutely the, the worst of the that yeah. crew uh it, but again that's why he's the only interesting one because he actually has some kind of dynamic to his character yeah that's true while everyone else is just uh, just just blank just, piece of paper yeah. Yeah, yeah a teen
1: horror trope
0: yeah there's yeah. nothing to any of these other guys except for Pele, and i think he, he does besides danny he's like kind of the only person i'm really interested in and I yeah. think it's, yeah, it's because... It's fair. It's as, because far as, like, it. as far as, like, I'd see the
2: rest of the commune as almost, like, one character.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. And I, I think of... Who is it? Civ is kind CBL. of the... Is She's yeah. kind of, like, the, the master of ceremony and stuff. And I, I kind of think everyone is just kind of... Yeah, it's, it's, it's the whole community is, like, focused through her. Yep. And so I agree with that because... There's a couple of side characters like you talked about. Oh, who's it? I think it's Ulf Is his name? Ulf the... is the one that uh, volunt- or not wasn't volunteered. He uh, brought in new blood. Oh yeah, because
2: his May Queen wasn't picked, so he had to die.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think there's a there's maybe little bits of other villagers that show up, but they're not like really they're not important. And I, I like to think of yeah, kind of that master of ceremony as kind of being the speaker, and she's the one who represents that whole group. Do we have any more? Yeah, I think we'll get into like more scene discussion. Uh, I mean, when
1: there's a lot of subtext that we need to get through yeah. that make the, some of the scene discussions um, more fleshed out. So we'll get, we'll get to those in, in part two because we we're going to go through the, a lot of the runic uh, alphabet, uh, the symbols that you see, a lot of the uh, folktale uh, basis for, for this story. And I think you're actually going to be really surprised at what I've mentioned what fairy tale is the basis for this. Story. Yeah,
2: you've mentioned it a few times. Yeah,
1: Have I mentioned which one though? Alex. No, that's a good cliffhanger for part no.
0: two.
2: No, no. Okay, all right. Then I am confused, and we will find out. I'll be tuning in for part two for sure. To find yeah, out. yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll bring so you back. Listen to my insane theory about this movie. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Uh, yeah. With that, we're wrapping this one up. Uh, I'm your host Connor. I got my co-host Jaden. Ye. And former guest Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting.